standard. I've solved my penny gift dilemma. Yippee. You see, the danger was that I might under or over reciprocate, but I have devised a foolproof plan. I will open her gift to me first and then excuse myself feigning digestive distress. Then I'll look up the price of her gift online, choose the basket closest to that value, give it to her, and then I'll return the others for a full refund. Brilliant. Hmm. It is, isn't it? Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! How's your leg? Very good, thanks for asking. Come on in. Oh, good, Penny. You're here to exchange gifts. You'll be pleased to know I'm prepared for whatever you have to offer. Okay, here. I should note, I'm having some digestive distress. So if I excuse myself abruptly, don't be alarmed. Oh, a napkin. Turn it over. <laughs> to Sheldon, live long and prosper. Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, he came into the restaurant. Sorry, the napkin's dirty. He wiped his mouth with it. <laughs> I possess the DNA of Leonard Nimoy. Be right back. Sheldon, what did you do? I know. It's not enough, is it? Here. Good morning, Grant. It's Pastor Rob. Great to see you today. How many of you can identify with Sheldon? You know, maybe, maybe not over getting a Leonard Nimoy napkin, but the idea of receiving something so amazing, you can't possibly fathom what would be an equal gift in return, what that might look like. You know, as I, if I ever stop, and, and think about the things that God has blessed my life with, whether it be uh, the incredible gift of my wife or my children or great parents or even, and don't tell him this, even my little brother, right? The, <laughs> the idea that God has blessed me with so much. If I stop and think about that, I got to admit, I get a little bit like Sheldon. 
I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond to that. I would, I never would have expected so many blessings and I never would have expected for God to show up in such an amazing way. We are in the, the fourth and final week of our this year's Advent series. It's called A Joyful Hope is our, is our theme. And last week we met that gift, that great gift that God has given the world. We, we met Jesus as he showed up as an infant. We talked about the three names that, that were given to him in the, in the text that we read. The Christ, the King of God's people, the the Jesus or Yeshua, if we go back to the Old Testament, the rescuer or the deliverer as he delivers us and the world from our fallenness, our brokenness, our sins, and, and just the mess that it is. And finally, Emmanuel, and that phrase, God is with us, this notion that, that it is that, that name that changes the entire meaning of what it, of what. Jesus's arrival is. It isn't merely someone who's fully human because Jesus was fully human, who's capable of guiding and leading and helping and doing the will of God, but it is God himself who is present with us. This week, we're going to go back a little bit in the story. We're going to go back to before Jesus arrived. Last week, we looked a little bit at Joseph, Jesus's stepfather, right? And the way he responded to God's call on his life in the midst of his surprise and concerns and how he diligently did what God asked him to do and was very much blessed for it. But this week, we're going to look at Mary. You know, Mary was really the first to recognize in any way, shape, or form the eternal value of God's gift to the world as the angel Gabriel came to her and spoke to her and said, you will be used for incredible things in God's name. This child you carry within you will will be the Christ, will be the rescuer and the deliverer. But we're going to look at how Mary responded to that, how she responded to such a gift and what it can teach us about the meaning of that gift for us, and for the world. To do that, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 46 through 55 today. As Mary sings out her praise after learning of God's gift. I'll put it up on the screen. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant, Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the Mighty One has done great things for me and His name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. He has done a mighty deed with His arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has established or satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to all of our ancestors. You know, the truth is, this is the first or the second, third, the third (laughs) of seven celebrations of the, the, the arrival of Jesus in just in the first two chapters of the book of Luke. 
The first is, is the baby, John, John the Baptist. We would later know him as, and we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, that, that, that he leapt, leapt inside his mother's womb just at the mere presence of Jesus and his mother, just the mere presence. And then Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who is giving birth in her old age, we see in, in chapter 1, verse 42, just before this section where it says, Then she exclaimed with a loud loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. This, this celebration, this excitement. And then we see Mary here, and then Zachariah celebrates and is, is actually told not to speak or not allowed to speak until after his, his baby John is born. And in, in chapter 2, just after this, we see the angels themselves, heaven itself, chanting a chorus, it says, chanting, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people that he favors. And then we see Simeon at the, near the end of chapter 2, celebrating. And finally, someone known as a prophetess, Anna, speaking about the redemption of God's people. Just, just in this, this first two chapters of Luke, we see these seven celebrations marking the presence of God here on this earth, God with us, as we discussed last week, and what it might mean. But Mary gives us a, an understanding of exactly what it means. They're, they are rejoicing in two, I think, two areas. The first is they're rejoicing for each one, each one of us. In this case, Mary is rejoicing for her. In verse 48, it says, God sees her for the precious jewel that she is. It says, quote, he has looked with favor in his humble of the humble condition of his servant. Remember, in the verses before, we just talked about Elizabeth, who was elderly in her years. She was older and she was barren, unlikely to have children. And here, God has used her just as he used Abraham and, and Sarah in the Old Testament, right? As as they thought, there's no way I'm going to have ever have children. And, and Abraham, at the age of 100, was having Isaac. And then there's Mary, this young and inexperienced person with not much in the way of confidence and certainly nothing in the way of stature in this world. You know, too often, though, I think we can identify with Mary or Elizabeth where we, they, they would have, could have easily written off their ability to be used by God in any way, shape, or form, that they were, their value was limited in the kingdom of God. You know, we have a, we have a number of older people in our church, and, and I think society as a whole kind of, uh, is in danger of devaluing older people because they're not physically able to run as fast or work as hard or do as many out work as many hours but there's something valuable about the wisdom gained in life that more than compensates for the fact that they just can't walk as fast there's value there there's value that could be brought to the world and brought to the kingdom of God that could celebrate and glorify him. And we see, see so many younger people, I get, I'm so blessed to work with a lot of teenagers and kids that think that, that their voice doesn't matter right now in the kingdom of God. And that's just not 
true. You have the capacity to impact those around you in amazing ways. And even if you think your stature is humble, as Mary certainly thought hers was, as though she was not of value, the fact is that God has placed within you something called the Imago Dei. It's an image, a peace, an image of God, a piece of who he is. And his desire is for that to come forth, to come out. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And it honestly doesn't matter how much you make or don't make. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. God has got something planned for you. And you are a precious, precious jewel to him. Don't discount yourself for what God desires to do for you. And it is, it is this upon why Mary is beginning to rejoice. She's recognized that God has got something special for her in store, even though she maybe didn't see it or believe it herself. He then, she's rejoicing also because he's going to change the trajectory of her future. In verse 48 as well, it says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. You know, there's a, a phrase that, that I think we could say out loud, but, but do we really believe this, right? We, do we really believe that it isn't about what you're capable of or what you know or don't know that really excites God and allows God to use you? Or is it really our willingness? Do we really believe this phrase that God prepares the willing, that it is about having a humble and servant-based heart, trusting God despite our concerns. If we were to go back just before this, Gabriel, this, this, this piece of scripture, Gabriel was telling Mary what, what God was doing. And though she's singing praises right now, before she was not. When he first said it, it says in verse 29 of chapter 1 that she was troubled by Gabriel's words. She was confused. She thought to herself, you know, I don't have anything to offer to this. Why me? And yet, as she's singing this song, she's recognized, why not me? Why not me? If I'm willing to do what God has asked me to do, why not me? I'm reminded of the story of a missionary named Gary Jackson that, that I met many years ago. He was in, in school and seminary to, to go be a missionary. That was his desire, his hope. And he took a series of, of tests around his aptitude for learning new languages, right? If you're going to be a missionary in a different country, it's critical to learn the languages because it's, we connect with language. That's just who we are as human beings. But he took a series of exams and his professor said, uh, you have no business going to be a missionary because you have zero aptitude for learning new languages. Zero. And though Gary believed that, believed, okay, I, you're, you're right. I mean, physically, I'm not able. I don't have the ability to do these things. He thought to himself, you know, if God is calling me to do it, he will make it work. He will find a way to make it work. Can I just tell you something about Mr. Jackson? <laughs> Mr. Jackson first was, was called to be a missionary in Serbia. He was a missionary in Serbia between 1983 and 1993, 10 years. And over that time frame, he became fluent in Serbian. 
this man who of his own volition could not learn his own language. But then he was called to Russia. And from 1994 to 2003, he and his family did missionary work in Russia. And wouldn't you know it, somewhere along the way, this man who could not learn languages, who was not equipped to do this, became fluent in Russian. And then, because his story's not over yet, then in 2004, he's called to China. And you know the story, you know what I'm gonna say. Gary Jackson is now fluent in, I think, English, because I've heard him speak, <laughs> but also Serbian, Russian, and Chinese. Because Gary's heart was one who was willing. He wasn't concerned about whether or not he knew enough. He wasn't concerned about whether or not he was the right one that God might be calling. What he was was willing. And he's still teaching. He's teaching English and Bible to Chinese students full-time. That's what he does. Willingness goes a long way with God. And, and for Mary and for all of us, the truth is it changes our future if we are willing to open up our hearts and minds to the gift that God is wanting to provide for us. And the fullness of that gift in sharing his gospel and living a life that is marked by him, if we are willing, he can do amazing things with us now and for generations to come. But he doesn't stop there. He then did something great for her. In verse 49, it says, The mighty one has done great things for me. He lifted her up for his greater purposes, something that mattered to him. He, you know, I think that's something that we, we don't always allow God to do with us. And, I, and, I, and I'm careful about that word, allow, because I do not believe that God will force us to do a whole lot of things that are in his will. What he will do is present his will to us. And then the truth is we have a choice to opt in or opt out. Opting in means recognizing that whatever God is calling us to, even if as, as Mary was troubled, even if, if it troubles us or it scares us or concerns us, if he's calling us to something, he is calling us to be a part of something he is doing, which is something bigger than us, bigger than ourselves. Whether that be, yes, evangelism, teaching people about God, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, celebrating Christmas, saying Merry Christmas as much as we possibly can, right? Celebrating the things of God, serving, leading. If you don't feel like you're, you're meant to lead something in your life, maybe it's lead a Bible study or, or, or lead others in, in, within the church or within the body of believers you serve with or lead others to Christ. If God has said you're, he's, he desires you to, and you are willing, as we learned from Gary Jackson's experience and Mary's experience, God will lift you into that bigger thing he wants you to do. He will gift you for the task at hand. So often, though, we're not willing to do that. But Mary recognizes that just in this short span. She recognizes that though she doesn't quite understand exactly what God's going to do, he, she knows he's going to do something amazing. And she is humbled that she gets to be just this little tiny piece of it, not because she's capable, but because she's willing. But Mary's rejoicing doesn't just stop at what it's done for her or for each one of us. 
It continues, this rejoicing for what he's done for everyone. God is, we see in verses 50 and then 54 and 55, that is his mercy is from generation to generation to those who fear him. This is, this is God calling again to himself a covenant people. Dale Stouffer says it this way, Jesus Christ is the one who reverses the terrible effects of sin and unites God and humanity in his person. This, this covenant is more than just a contract. It is an e- eternal commitment to those who come to him through Jesus that, that he's calling them to him. And it's up to each one of us to respond. This blessing, this opportunity to be reunited with God for this bridge to be built, for this gap to be crossed that we could not possibly cross ourselves, to rejoin his family. There's a reason why Jesus calls us his sons and his daughters, right? His brothers and sisters. There's a reason we've been adopted into his family as he is reestablishing his people the author and creator of the universe. Do you know how big that is? And then then also in, in verses 51 and 52, he's doing something else for the rest of the world. He's flipping the world on its head. And it says he scattered the proud because of the, the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. When you were a kid, did you ever have opposite day in your world? I was looking this up online the other day and apparently experts, I don't know who these experts are, say that opposite day could be January 25th, some say. Other experts say that it's January 7th every year. And still other experts say it's the 25th of every month. But opposite day was that day when everything you said was the opposite of what you really meant. The notion was to confuse everybody else who didn't understand. But I think in some ways, what what Jesus has done in just his presence and, and what Mary is exalting here is that Jesus has created an opposite day for the world. And in fact, an opposite eternity. Let me tell you what I mean. You see, what, what, the, what we exalt, what we chase in this world often is power. It's money, it's control, it's safety, it's security. We chase so many, it's affluence. We chase these things day in and day out. Jesus doesn't have kind words for those kinds of pursuits. In, in Matthew 19, 23 and 24, he says those famous, famous lines, says, Jesus says to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The, the challenge there is this, is that this, this rich person is pursuing all of these things that, that are not of God. They are his own desires, his own natures. And and Jesus says, you realize that what you think is going to give you fulfillment, what you think is going to give you strength, what you think is, go- is contributing to the kingdom of God and contributing to the benefit of the world is really folly. In fact, what I'm telling you to do is the opposite. I'm telling you to recognize it is not your wealth or your power or your safety or your security, all those things that you're pursuing that you think will make you whole. 
It is not any of those things that will get you there. And Jesus signals his presence, his arrival signals God's intention to restore heavenly priorities in the hearts of his people and in the world. To recognize that keeping the greatest commandments, loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, which by the way stands in contrast to pursuing personal things all the time, right? To make a difference in somebody else's life, we've got to be willing to be less secure in our own sometimes. Jesus is trying to remind his people and the world in general not to underestimate the need to realign our priorities with his priorities. And Mary is excited to see all of this happening right before her eyes as God begins to reestablish his intentions for the world. In verse 53, we see yet one more thing that I think connects with Mary directly and should connect with all of us who feel lost or forgotten. You see in verse 53, it says, he has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God desires to provide for those that the world has forgotten. If, if you find yourself not fitting in or thinking you're not normal or that you're not worth loving because there's a whole lot of that in our world today. If you find yourself believing that you are the least of these, then Mary's praises are a beacon for you and for, I, for me. They are a beacon of hope. They are a beacon of light shining in the darkness. Mary was merely the first to see it. But the truth is it shines for all of us too. And it is those moments when I'm left thinking and feeling, I think a bit like Sheldon does. The idea that God would provide such a gift that he would reduce himself to being human in order to connect with us, in order to teach us, and that he would be willing to die for us in order to save us. I don't always know how to respond to that because it's just more than I could ever possibly imagine. But I do know this. It is certainly something worth rejoicing over with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, and something worth proclaiming to the world because each of us and all of us needs our Savior. May many blessings rain upon you this Christmas season. If you find yourself in need of connecting or reconnecting with the Lord, please let us know. Uh, we are here to help you, to serve you, we want to see you come to know him. And if we can be of help to you on your journey, we want to walk with you for a time. God bless.